our slavery's end. Each morning we rise, wide awake and filled with purpose. We fight fearlessly in the name of justice because we believe in a better world and a God who moves us to make it so. We are the church. Beyond a building or a day of the week, relentlessly defending freedom. Not for some distant future, but for today. So that this may be the last generation to be owned, sold, or ignored in their suffering. And though we may be free, we are tied to those still held in bondage. And we will not go away until lives, communities, and nations are transformed until all countries protect all of their citizens. So, each day we rise again, knowing we are slavery's end. And we will never be free. Northwest. It's so good to be here with you this morning. And for those of you joining us online as well, for our, all of our first-time visitors, welcome. This is Northwest Church. And if you can tell, we are a little bit passionate about seeing people set free. We've been speaking all month about freedom. And the, the, the first week we covered, we talked about freedom in our bodies and getting healing. And the second week was during um, our Auntie Irma came to visit us. And it was sort of a throwback to the first church. Don't you think? We were all kind of huddled in our homes and kind of doing this home church thing. It was, it was actually kind of neat. It was a really neat experience. And last week, my sister Aslan talked about how we are all slaves to something, whether you're a slave to God. God's kingdom and the things of his word, or you're a slave to this world and the sin in this world. That there's the, those are the two options. So we are all a slave to something. She actually talked about a concept that I want to touch on today. And one of the things she said was, we have no idea the things that God wants to do through us when we completely give our lives to him. So today, on our Freedom Sunday, our last sermon of the month, we are joining with over 2,000 other churches around the world 
in prayer um, and, and talking about this thing called slavery, this thing that still exists in our world. And I think it is so powerful that we are joining with all of these other, with all of these other churches. So churches in Australia, churches in the UK, churches in Africa, we are all talking about the same subject today, and we are pleading with God to um, give us the tools to know what to do to change our world. Amen? Isn't that powerful? So I hope you enjoy today. Yes, hope you enjoy it. When we, as Christians, discover freedom through Christ, we, have, we, we, we discover this freedom in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits, in our emotions. We have this overwhelming desire to see others set free as well. And what's so neat about this is laying down our lives for the salvation and the freedom of others. It's one of the marks of being a Christian, to put other people's lives and other people's circumstances before your own. And this is one of the reasons why I've been involved for quite a while now with an organization called International Justice Mission. And many of you are, are supporters of IJM, so I don't need to, to go into all of the amazing things that they do. But just as an, an overall basis, just to give you you a nutshell idea of some of the work that they're doing. They go into, into communities. They serve in about 20 different underdeveloped, underdeveloped countries, communities in the world. And they work with the local government, local law enforcement, the courts, the justice system, and they, they work with them to give them the tools that they need to combat the slavery that's happening in their world. There is no country in this world that says slavery is okay. Every country in this world has a law against slavery. The problem is, if there is no enforcement of these laws, they go unchecked. So what we do is we step in under the, un, under the law and say, these are on your books. Let us give you the resources and let us help you enforce these laws so that children and men and women are no longer under the yoke of slavery. And I think this is an incredible undertaking because we think, how can an organization affect the, the, the culture of slavery in a society. That is an incredible undertaking. How does an, an organization even begin to affect a culture change of injustice in a society? And I'll give you the answer to that. The answer is a Christian who stands up and says, God, I give you my life. Do what you will with me. Allow my life to change the circumstances, to change the culture of injustice that is around me. I'll give you an example of this. In 1994, let me make sure I'm, I'm on here. In 1994, the, the UN director of the investigations into the Rwandan genocides traveled to Rwanda, and his mission was to seek out and bring to justice those that were involved in the genocide. And, he, and, and as he was going through Rwanda in his travels, he came across this burnt-out church. And inside this church, it was full of human remains. And he's literally walking down the aisle in this church, and the bones are crunching under his feet. And he gets to the altar, and he thinks, what must have been going through the minds of the people in this church 
during their final hours. And I don't know the circumstances surrounding how they died. There was such a concentrated amount of bones. It makes me think that perhaps they were locked in and, and, and the church was set on fire. Or perhaps someone went through with machete. I don't know. But there were a lot of human remains in this church. And he's standing on this altar and he's thinking, what must have been going through their heads? And he theorized that the answer to this question was... Who will fight for justice for us? Who will withhold the hand of the oppressor? And as he thought about these things, he didn't question some of the things that perhaps you or I would have questioned. What he didn't question was, where was God in this situation? He didn't ask that question. He knew the answer to that question. What he did ask was, where are God's people in this situation? Where are the cries of God's people as their brothers and sisters are being slaughtered in this church? And that thought, that question, that, that burning thing in his mind compels him over the next few years to gather a group of prayer warriors and attorneys and human rights workers. And together they would meet and they gathered and they began to form a small organization that was dedicated to fighting for justice for people who had no justice. And the name of this man is Gary Haugen. And the name of the organization is International Justice Mission, and it is now the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. And I want to share today some of the amazing things that we are doing, because the organization is made up of people like us. And many of you support this organization, so I want to share with you some of the things that, that are happening and some of the things that are being accomplished. <clears throat> On Freedom Sunday, so we've been doing the series all month, but today we're going to look specifically about freedom from physical oppression. And as you listen to the stories that I'm going to share with you, some of them are going to be difficult to hear. But I'm not asking you to have an answer for everything. You know, when Gary was standing in the middle of those remains in just this horrific situation, he knew that he didn't have to have the answer for everything. All he had to do was say, God, I put this burden on your shoulders. Now you give me the tools that are in, in my possession and tell me what to do. Show me how I can help in this situation. So as you're listening to these stories and as we're sharing about freedom today, we're not expecting you to come up with all the answers. One person does not have all the answers to this. However, God gives each of us something that we can use in this fight. Does that make sense? <clears throat> what is our God-given role in our fight against injustice in our society? What, as, as Christians, what is it that God is telling us to do? Because I think that when we look at injustice, and in America, we, we sort of have this sterilized version of injustice in the sense that we throw the word around a lot. And don't get me wrong, injustice exists. It exists in our community, it exists in our own lives. Many of us have experienced injustice. I mean, that's just part of living in the world. Injustice 
injustice and sin entered into the world the minute that Adam and Eve sinned. So injustice exists in the world. This is not a, a story to tell you injustice doesn't exist. It exists. We know it's true. And how many know that our, our own country is in the middle of a battle right now? And we as Christians need to be on the forefront of bringing deep healing to our own country. I want this church to be on the forefront of bringing healing to our country and healing to our community. But today we're gonna look at a biblical definition of injustice. It is a very specific type of sin. In the Bible, when it speaks of injustice, it is referencing the abuse of power to take from others the good things that God has intended for them, their life, their liberty, their dignity, their humanity, the fruits of their labor, the fruits of their love. It's when someone else takes from them what is theirs. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we look at chapter 4, verse 1, and this gives us a, real, a pretty good indicator of what the Bible is talking about. Again, I looked and I saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they had no comforter. So this is the biblical picture of injustice that we're going to be speaking about today. This is the picture of someone who has power oppressing someone who does not. This is the picture of someone who has taking from someone who has nothing. And let me offer you a few statistics here. According to the Walk Free Foundation, there are over 45 million people in the world living as slaves. 45 million is a greater population than 158 countries in the world. 45 million is more slaves than were trafficked during the 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. 45 million people enslaved today is more than at any other time in history. How is that possible? A lot of the people I speak to don't even know it still exists today. And yet, it's greater today than at any other time in history, which is crazy to me, because today is the day that we are the, supposedly the most connected with the world. We are able to see things instantly when they happen anywhere in the world. And yet, this is not talked about in the way that it should be. I can assure you that slavery still exists because I've seen it with my own eyes. And today I'm gonna to share with you a story of one of our clients um, at IJM. His name is Kumar, and we've been working with Kumar for many years, from the time he was a young boy. And so I wanted to uh, play, play a film, and this film will be played in two parts, but it's gonna show you a little bit of the reality that 45 million people, as a rough estimate, it could be more, that 45 million people in our world are living under. So let's go ahead and play Kumar's story. You're working 14, 18 hour days 
with very little sleep, no freedom, dignity is taken away from them. And, and that's something nobody should have to endure. We had a number of years ago, two of the bond laborers escaped from a facility. And they were tracked down by the owners of the facility and, and brought back. And as a punishment for what they had done, their hands were chopped off. We would go to the government officers and we'd say, sir, there is a bonded labor case. And almost always the response was, there is no bonded labor in my area. What are you talking? How much? 30? Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid. There's a girl who's very afraid. Almost unable to walk. This is Kumar. He was abandoned by his mother, and his father was suddenly killed. Orphaned and alone, he was accountable for his parents' debts. And at just seven years old, he was forced into slavery. Kumar remembers a day where he was so ill he couldn't get out of bed. Immediately, his owner came looking for him. Kumar was trapped by debt and a slave owner who beat him continuously. He, like so many, had no remaining hope for a way out. Seven years old, an orphan and alone. Kumar told us that he was literally afraid to think of his future. So he never did. He just couldn't allow his mind to go there. Something happens to a human life when it is held in unrelenting bondage. They lose this light in their eyes. And we, we see this light in each other's eyes all the time. So a lot of times we don't even, we don't even recognize that it's there because we're so used to seeing it. But when you see a, a human life that is enslaved, that is in bondage, there is no light behind their eyes. And it is, it's replaced by just this blank look of despair. I've seen this look, and I've seen it on the faces of very small children. And every time you're looking at these kids, you're like trying to tell them through your eyes, we're coming back for you. We're not gonna leave you here. We see you, you're not alone, we're coming. And it is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do to leave an eight-year-old enslaved until we can gather enough evidence to bring him rescue. And there are no words to describe that horrendous feeling. <clears throat> How to live with this reality is something that takes a lot of time in prayer. And you're pulling away from these children 
And I know that we're going to come back for them. I know that we're going to do everything in our power to seek them out and put them in a safe place and make sure that these traffickers come to justice. We're going to do everything in our power to do that. But they don't know that. And at the time, I'm having to leave them there in that reality. And all you can do is pray and say, God, I cannot shoulder this. I cannot live knowing what I've just had to do. I'm gonna have to put this burden back on your very capable shoulders and just ask that you give me the tools that I need to help these children. Give me the tools that are in my power. What can I do to bring rescue to these young boys that have only known slavery? I think that it's important in these times to go back to the word and look at the Bible and search desperately for what God says about injustice. We have to ask the question, how does God feel about all of this? Because if it is breaking my heart like it is, we know that it's breaking God's heart because it's the God in us that's breaking. It's the God in us that is crying out for mercy and for justice for these children. And Pastor Mark, I think, once said it best um, last year. He said, how it must break God's heart to see his image living as a slave. And that is the reality. It breaks God's heart to see his image living as a slave. Let's look to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, 14 to 17. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet... The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord came upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to the oppressed to go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him. Bring good news to the poor. Proclaim release to the captives. Recovery sight to the blind. Let the captives go free. Let the oppressed go free. If Christ says to let the oppressed go free, then surely this is our mandate as Christians. We must use the tools and the resources that he has given us to help others set free. And I have been in conversations with people and they, they've said, listen, <laughs> I get what you're trying to do, but slavery is always going to exist. Like, for every one you rescue, there's thousands more. It will always be a part of our world. And it's very easy to agree with them. Until I look to whom our example is, which is Jesus Christ, 
And he was a man that came and walked our world. And he changed the culture of injustice in our society because he elevated women at a time when women were oppressed. He allowed children to come to him and tell him their stories, and he loved on them. He, he gave sight to the blind. He healed the crippled. Mankind mattered to Christ. Therefore, mankind must matter to us. And this is exactly the mission that IJM have. If Jesus is our example, if Jesus walked the earth, and if he changed a culture of oppression, if he changed a culture of slavery, that is our mandate. And Jesus said, even greater things than this you will do. That is what I believe. When we give our lives to Christ and we say, I am giving you my life, God. Do whatever you will. I don't care what it costs me. Just take my life. I will be a slave to you and your kingdom. When we get to that point in our walk with him, he allows us to share in the joy of seeing others set free. That is an amazing moment. We're going to go ahead and uh, look at the conclusion of Kumar's story because I can tell you that Kumar is free today and I want you to be able to share in the joy of this feeling of seeing Kumar set free. So go ahead and play that. IJM discovered the horrific conditions in the brick factory where Kumar and others were being forced to work against their will. And based on their undercover video evidence, local government authorities and police came alongside IJM to conduct a rescue operation. The more and more we are doing these rescues, people are getting aware that people are being abused. There is bonded labor, there is trafficking. Also, the law is going to take its course as well as perpetrators go behind. When the team arrived in the morning and entered the brick factory, 15 men, women, and children were rescued and given their freedom back. Then, they were each given a certificate to prove that they no longer owe any debts to their former owner. And one was for Kumar. After being rescued, IJM placed Kumar in their aftercare program to heal. You'd ask him a question anytime, no matter what, and he would say, the one thing I want to do is I want to study. He was clear about that. And then they enrolled him in school for the first time. Today, he is studying to be a social worker to help those still suffering like he did.
And what we do at IJM is we go look for that lost sheep, that girl that's being abused, that widow who's been run out of her home. And we will search for her until we find her. That's how our Father has loved us. That's how we are called to love others. Not to search for them until we've satisfied ourselves. Not to search for them until it gets really hard. But to go after them until we find them. To be relentless in our love. I don't know if you could see it on the film, but the light has returned to Kumar's eyes. You can see that he is dreaming about his future. He can see it now because there is a hope that is within his heart. And when I was in Africa, I was able to spend some time with the boys that we had rescued back in April in our last raid, and they were all in this safe home. And they just came running up to me, and they had this light in their eyes, and they were happy, and they were healthy, and they were healing. And it was such a testimony, because it's in these times you see what a good and merciful God we serve. When you see a child who has been pulled off a lake, who's been pulled out of slavery, and you see him thriving in a, in a loving family, in a loving community, you think, wow, that is the God that I serve. He is merciful. He wants justice. And that is our mandate as Christians. It felt so good to be a Christian in that instance, because all of these things started because a Christian stood up and said, I give you my life, God. Take it. Allow me to be instrumental in seeing others set free. And when I spoke to the boys at the home in the safe house, I couldn't wait to tell them about all of you, about people that give of their time, that pray for them, that think about them. You're talking to boys that just know they had been forgotten. They had no idea people on the other side of the world pray for them. They had no idea that we have children that are their same age that give money, that put money in a basket every week and pray for their rescue and pray for their safety and pray for their healing. That is what a Christian does. I was able to tell them how loved they were. And it meant so much to me. And, you know, I, when I returned from Africa, a hurricane hit, and we, we were out without power for six days, and it was awful and miserable. And through all of that just crappy, crappy week, I had this assurance that I now know children on the other side of the world know they are loved. And it put something within me that thought, we can get through this. If these children can survive what they've survived, we can survive the things that, that get thrown in our way in our own lifetime. I'll close by giving you ways that you can help. We, uh, not everyone's in a, in a position to help financially, and that is okay because we need your prayers. Prayer is what changes things. We need Time. We need you to tell others about what you've seen here today. 
And there is a table in the back, and I can see Patrick's back there, and I know Jackie's running around here, and Jessica's running around here, and they can give you specific ways that you can help, um, since I don't have time to run through them all up here on stage. But let me play this final video, which will sum up um, further ways that you can help. Uh, we all know the Good Samaritan story. Two other people walked past this man who was hurt and wounded. There was one person who stopped, picked him up, and paid for his care. It didn't take too much. It just required him to stop and actually pay attention that somebody is suffering, pay attention that somebody is wounded. Now, Jesus talked to us about this parable because he wants us to be like that Good Samaritan. You may be removed miles and miles away from where these things are happening, from where the crime of human trafficking or slavery is happening. But you're also very close to the heart of Jesus. He wants to extend his kingdom on this earth. And he doesn't just come from heaven and do it himself. He uses people like you and I. He uses us as his instruments. He uses our abilities to extend his kingdom. Do you want to be someone who stopped and decided no? This is, this is wrong. It cannot happen on my watch. It cannot happen in my time. And so the invitation is open. If you are watching this, it is because you woke up this morning and made the choice to get here. And when you leave this place, you take it with you. Right now, there are more than 45 million people around the world still bound in slavery, and that number is growing. IJM has a model that works, but we can't do more unless we have more help. So we are asking believers from around the world to take action and take us with you too. We call them Freedom Partners. When you become a Freedom Partner, you join a community that is actively praying, advocating, and spreading the word to get more people involved. By giving $24 a month or more, we can grow our global mission to find, rescue, and renew lives. Because lack of resources should never be the reason why we didn't end slavery. Do you want to be one of them who walked past? Or do you want to be someone who stopped and decided, no, this is wrong. It cannot happen on my watch. It cannot happen in my time. And so the invitation is open. Join us and become a Freedom Partner today.